Hello, and welcome to the Healthcare Leadership Mindset. I'm your host, Yolanda Gonzalez, former administrative fellow and current administrative director at Mass General Hospital, located in Boston, Massachusetts. I invite you to join me as I engage with leaders in various roles across the healthcare field to gain real-life insights into their work challenges, the skills that have helped them succeed, and advice on how to get started if this is a path for you. So what are you waiting for? Let's start the journey today. Welcome to another episode of the Healthcare Leadership Mindset. I'm your host, Yolanda Gonzalez. I'm so excited to be sitting down with Christopher Lewis, Clinical Associate Professor of Health Law, Policy, and Management at Boston University School of Public Health. He is also the Director of the Healthcare Management Program and the Director of BUSPH Dual Degree Programs. Chris has nearly a decade of healthcare industry experience, and in this episode, we discuss his experience in strategy, operations, and project management, the skills every healthcare administrator needs, common challenges healthcare organizations face, and advice in overcoming those challenges, and what he sees as qualities of a successful healthcare leader, and so much more. I was so fortunate to cross paths with Chris in my master's program. He truly cares about each student that comes into his classroom and makes sure he does everything possible to help each one of us succeed. When I first thought of the idea for the healthcare leadership mindset, I reached out to Chris, who was kind enough to make the time to listen to my idea and share his feedback that contributed to making this podcast what it is today. That speaks to who Chris is as a person, and it comes as no surprise that he was recently awarded the 2021 John D. Thompson Prize, which recognizes faculty based on their overall contributions to the field of healthcare administration education. I learned so much from Chris during this episode, and I know that you will too. Without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. Hi, Chris. Welcome to the Healthcare Leadership Mindset. It's so good to have you on the show today. Yolanda, thanks very much for having me. It's great to be here. I'm sure our listeners would love to hear a little bit more about you. So could you share a little bit of background on yourself and walk us through your journey in healthcare administration? Yeah, I'd be happy to. It's, um, I I think of it more as an evolution than really a a journey or a pathway or how did I get to where I am now? Uh, A lot of people consider me a pracademic, uh, somebody who has uh, lots of experience, about 10 years of experience in the industry, as well as uh, now I'm going on six years at Boston University School of Public Health, where I'm a faculty member in the Department of Health Law Policy and Management. Um, but my career never started thinking I wanted to be in, uh, in academia, and I always wanted to be a hospital CEO, and that was really my goal. I uh, Actually, my mom was a nurse, and she got me a job during undergrad in her pediatric office, and I thought that was you know, a great opportunity for me to learn about something I knew nothing about. Uh, Fast forward three years at that pediatric practice, I had found my first mentor, uh, two actually. One was the office manager, one was the pediatrician who owned the practice, and I found a love for healthcare. And I knew that I had to uh, keep going, get a master's uh, to really be good in in the field. And uh, after I finished my master's, I worked as an administrative fellow for HCA on the west coast of Florida at Blake Medical Center in Bradenton. And that was a great opportunity because at uh, 23, 24 years old, or however I, will, I was at that time, I was uh, running a, a nursing unit uh, after just a few months there. And 
some something I knew nothing about when I started, but they gave me the opportunity to to you know to to fail and and the opportunity to to try new things and work with uh, physicians and work with the, with nursing leaders and and work with staff. Uh, and I can say that after my six or nine months in that role as the interim director of the Joy Care Center, it was one of the best opportunities I, I could have been given at that time because I learned how to listen. I learned how to, to understand what the challenges were and just remove barriers for people. Uh, I worked as an associate administrator or assistant administrator for uh, another hospital. Uh, based on that work, they promoted me and I worked for Englewood Community Hospital, uh, still as part of HCA. And that role was really unique in that um, I was able to be part of the senior leadership team. They didn't have a COO and I really feel I filled that role. I didn't get the pay or the, uh, or the title, but uh, I definitely did the work. And I think that was a, a great opportunity for me at the time. But all along the, that, that path for that you know, four years or five years or so, I started thinking more about the, uh, the why in healthcare and, uh, and less about the how. Uh, I was personally getting a little burned out and I started starting thinking about some of those, uh, those challenges, challenges that we faced every day and how I could deal with them, them on, a, on a broader scale. So I realized that policy changes and organizational uh, design issues were something that I was really interested in. I uh, started working on my PhD at, at Penn State and um, uh, moved up there, uh, stopped working at HCA at the time. Uh, thankfully, I had a wife who was supportive and uh, willing to move, but I think that was a, a great opportunity. Uh, my PhD, I was there in person for about three years, and then uh, I worked and did my dissertation. So I took the job as the head of strategy at a health system in North Jersey. Uh, so as you can see, I've already taken uh, on operational leadership uh, roles as well as now strategy, uh, and which was a little interesting of a pivot for me because the strategy role was a little bit um, more built on the foundation that I, that I had developed as a, uh, in my doctoral program. And, and that was really good. And I had one job there, which was to, to help the, the senior leadership get that organization sold. And we did that. So I like to say that I was promoted out of a job uh, at that point and uh, then went into consulting for a couple of years, worked with organizations uh, across the country to do uh, like cancer center strategy and strategic plans, as well as some operational things. Uh, and then uh, transitioned once I finished my PhD in 2015 over to, um, to, to Boston University. And here I've been ever since. Thanks for sharing your journey. It's interesting to listen to you reflect on the different steps that you took in your career. I knew you for a period of time as my professor, but it's really interesting to hear about your pathway to what got you to where you are today. So I want to go back to something that you mentioned, which was an opportunity that you had where you felt that you could try new things and you felt like you could fail and could do so in a way where you felt supported. So can you talk a little bit more about the specific factors that allowed you to do that or what should students today be seeking out and how do they find that environment they can do that in? Yeah, so, so that's a great question. And uh, my fellowship was probably the best opportunity for me at the time. I had very little hospital experience. I had very little leadership experience. You know, I, I think at, at 22, 23 years old, I thought I was way better than I was at that stuff, uh, reflecting back on it now. And, and I think having strong leaders who were comfortable putting me in a position where they knew that they could guide me was probably the best thing that could happen. I had regular meetings with my, my senior leaders and actually it was the chief nursing officer who was uh, at the time um, 
probably my biggest supporter, biggest advocate, and the person who really entrusted me with, you know, patience. And I, and I think that number one, I didn't want to let her down. Number two was I really knew that I needed to, to step into a role where I was a little bit uncomfortable, but at the same time, be confident enough that I could listen and that I could uh, rely on the things that I knew how to do well, which was data analysis, which was, I knew how to do staffing plans. I knew how to do productivity reports. I knew how to do all of those things, which I knew that other people either didn't always want to do, or it was um, kind of the core operations of the department. And then at the same time, I had to learn what everybody's role was. And I think that was a, a big factor too, um, because if you don't understand the roles that people are playing, you can't put them in the right position to do their work. And that was something that I learned really quickly that I had to do and I had to allow people to do their work once I identified that. So for me, those were the, probably the biggest things that I learned. And then just communicate and, and, and allow people to voice their opinions in the right ways and have a, have a voice. And at the same time, take all of those voices and try to, to synergize them and, and put them into one voice. And I think that was what was important for us to do along with our physicians uh, in that role as the, uh, the, the director of the Joint Care Center there uh, in, uh, in Bradenton. Yeah, but definitely having strong leaders who can serve as mentors or can, who, who can help guide you are so important. And I know we've talked about this a lot, but, um, you know, it sounds like you had strong mentorship both within the organization, and I'm assuming you had some outside of the organization as well. Is that a correct assumption to make? Absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and actually, several of them were the faculty members that I had met uh, during the uh, during my graduate program, my MHA at the University of Florida. And uh, whenever I had a tough decision or a big question, I always went to them. Uh, but at the same time, as I, I mentioned earlier in my you know kind of my 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 path. Uh, I, there was a pediatrician and the office manager of that uh, pediatric practice that I stayed in touch with. I still talk to them today. They're still in practice and one of them's retired, but the pediatrician's still there. And uh, I go back and I often reminisce and I'll ask him questions even now about, um, you know, things that are pressing that you want somebody who has no tie to your organization or no tie to anybody in the organization just to give you their candid opinion about things. And I don't think that there's uh, anything wrong with that. I think you need internal mentors and external. For sure. Yeah, I think that that's great advice and something that I hope the listeners uh, pick up on. And I know even with myself, like there's a lot of times that I've reached out to you and gotten your opinion on things. Um, and so it's been super helpful to just know that you have that network and those resources and that support around you. And the next thing that I wanted to focus a little bit on is um, the experiences you had both in the operations strategy, hospital administration space, as well as the experience you had within consulting. So one of the questions I get asked a lot is, should I pursue a pathway within hospital administration or should I go down the pathway of consulting? And I can only really speak to the hospital administration side. And I'd be really curious to hear from you from having experience in both areas, what were the similarities and what were the differences in these pathways? Yeah, so I, I, get, I often get this question a lot too in my uh, uh, healthcare management program director role here at Boston University. But um, as I reflect back on my experience in both the hospitals or the health systems, as well as uh, with a couple of different consulting firms, I think the biggest thing to me was the, was the, the pace and the type of work. Okay, so, so for me, the consulting pace was, was much faster, actually. 
because you're not just working on one organization and trying to learn one organization. Um, and, and I guess as, as a little bit of framing for this, I worked for strategy firms that, that did work on strategy projects. So those strategy projects are typically not the long implementation, two years on the ground type of thing. The strategy projects are more, you know, kind of three to four months. Uh, you might work on them a little longer. Some of them are even two months. Um, but they're like short bursts of energy where you have to, you know, do a bunch of deliverables really quickly. So for me, if you're doing three or four of those at the same time, the speed at which you have to work is just tremendous. And sometimes you've never, you've never, you know, worked with these organizations before. So you have to really understand them. You have to figure out their challenges because that's really the, the value added for the organization that you're consulting with is that not only are you smart, because they assume that everybody working as a, as a consultant is smart, but are you smart on this and can you help me? Um, so you have to really spend a lot of time getting up to speed about what are their issues, what are they doing? And, and quite frankly, it was a lot of fun, uh, but it got tiring very quickly. And, and I think that's a, why a lot of people go in and out of consulting over the years is because they, uh, they, they eventually get really good at doing something and they enjoy it. And then they can be a, uh, an expert in an organization. So you might take a role as a VP after working for a consulting firm for a bunch of years. Mm-hmm. Um, in the health systems, I think it's um, it's unique in that you're really trying to deal. You have to you have to be far more concerned with the cultural dynamics of the organization. I think than if you're a, a consultant. If you're a consultant, you can come in. You're expected to to start to to stimulate the the questions around change or implement things around change. Uh, otherwise they would be doing it themselves. But as in the organization, you really have to be politically savvy to get things done. You have to understand who the key players are. You have to understand who your champions are. You can't do things in a large complex organization like a hospital or health system um, by yourself, you just can't. And I know that there are a lot of organizations that are even consensus driven that uh, you really need everybody on board. Otherwise, there's there's no way that you're going to get anything implemented or get buy-in. So I think those are really the biggest things. It's really knowing your environment, knowing your uh, your ability and how to implement things and get things done is really rests not even with you. You have to you know push things along. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of people that have to be involved in getting them done. Definitely. I think you summarized it up so well. And that's really what I tell people who ask me about the hospital administration pathway, I always say, you know, at least within my role, a lot of times if there is a strategy that needs to be implemented, it falls within the divisions to see that plan forward. And then you have to really get into the nitty gritty details of making sure your staff is on board, making sure you have the resources to see that strategy through. And a lot of times it's sometimes may end up changing depending on um, the plan or depending on other factors that can influence it. You talked a little bit about why you decided to pursue a doctorate degree. And it sounds like it really was to get to that why behind healthcare. So in your experience um, within this degree, can you tell me a little bit about what some of your research interests were, how you spent some of your time within that program? Sure, I'd be happy to. So just to back up a second too, when I was uh, an assistant administrator for one of the HCA hospitals on the West Coast of Florida, we are part of a big system, okay? We were part of a, a hospital system. I think at that time it was 160 hospitals. Now they have probably more than that. And you know, many health systems have combined. And I think I read just the other day that 
three or four or some small number of health systems you know, control like 25% of the hospitals across the country. So, some, some ridiculous number like that. I'm probably getting it wrong. But the, the idea here being, we were always being told what to do from the health system, from the system level. And I wanted to know more about why are they doing that? Like, like why are they trying to impose this quality initiative on us? Why are we having to, uh, you know, care so much about Medicare, Medicaid rates? I, I was just a little bit naive at the time. Uh, I assumed what it was happening was that, you know, somebody learned something somewhere else in the country and they realized it worked. So they said everybody else in the country has to do it. And I think that's pretty much what it was. But I didn't understand how different policy changes at Medicare or how different policy changes around um, you know, seniors were, were actually getting infused into our operations. And I needed to take a step back to do that. And that's where I realized that getting a, a, a PhD in health policy and administration was really the only way for me to, to, to take that time and to do it was to essentially sidestep or step out of for a couple of years, the, the, the nitty gritty or the operations and get into the, get into the, to the thought, get into thinking about how these things work together. And, you know, for me, I have a passion in cancer care organizations. And I, as a cancer survivor myself, I, I think that that work is incredibly important. And when I, when I took that time, I found projects that were focused around uh, organizations that provide cancer care. So not only did I care about the work, but I knew that it was meaningful to me. And well, number one, that's how I was able to get through a five-year PhD. <laughs> and uh, at the same time, do something that was able to contribute to people. So I think the, um, the idea is that I really cared about the organizational design issues, how communication happened, how, how large organizations were going to differentiate themselves in markets, but at the same time, implement org operations that were really critical to the organization's functionality and keeping patients moving through the system. Um, and at the end of the day, this is all about people and it's about relationships and it's about organizations trying to provide the best care that they can. So I felt like, you know, that was the right approach for me to take at that time because I was getting too involved in the hiring, the firing, the, uh, the, the operational productivity. I felt like there was more to learn and the PhD really gave me the opportunity to do that and it also, you know, uh, it sprung me into a, a, a much more, um, a kind of a, a thoughtful career in terms of how policy interacts with management and management uh, interacts with operations. And I think that's really a, um, uh, really what I hope to get out of it. And I did. How did you go from completing that degree and then going and transitioning into your role as the clinical associate? professor and director of health manage, healthcare management at Boston University. Did you know that that's what you wanted to go into afterwards? Or was there an experience that you had that really decided, um, that helped you decide that was the pathway for you? Yeah, so for me, it was always the end game. Uh, I knew that having the practical experience was something that not a lot of academics actually had. So I knew that I, I, knew that I could use my experience and my, my research knowledge um, and my ability to evaluate programs that were going on uh, in a really unique way. And at the same time, you know, I never wanted to leave healthcare, healthcare administration. So working with students and, and, and teaching and you know, working in, on these projects that we can talk a little bit more about uh, you know, in my classes uh, with the organizations, this keeps my feet you know, firmly planted in the organizations. I just actually get to see more of them now, which is actually really fun. Um, but 
for me, the research has to meet one of two criteria for me to be interested in it because I think it keeps my uh, it keeps my my roots alive, and it has to be it has to matter to people or organizations, and those are broad terms, right? So my research really goes off, and, and I, I focus on vulnerable populations, primarily Medicaid populations or Medicare populations, and. I really am, am focused on organizations that provide cancer care still. So even, so if you think about it, I'm just doing different studies or I'm actually looking at the evaluation of them now as opposed to the implementation, but it's about the same things. It's the same things that I was doing when I was uh, a hospital operator. You know, I'm, I'm worried about these, you know, how organizations are implementing these, these grants and these different types of projects for quality improvement. Uh, I'm interested in how they're marrying their strategies to their operations and to, to actually get to be effective. And then my part now is really to be the independent evaluator, to come in kind of on the back end and say what worked, what didn't, and be an objective eye that um, looks at data and interviews people, which is probably my favorite part of the research too. It's just going in there and sitting across the table from somebody. Well, I guess when we could, um, that, but those days are coming. I, I, I see them coming quickly and, and ask them, what are your barriers? What are your challenges? What are your, what are your busy, biggest successes? And, and what can we learn from the things that you've done over the last several years that I can go and, and then write about and tell others? I'm sure that this is going to inspire those who are really interested in this pathway and just to know that you could end up in so many different areas like you could end up in a career where you're starting off in hospital administration and end up where you are now so uh that's i think what i love so much about this field and, and that's what i mean about it's an evolution I, I don't i don't know where my my path ends um right because i i've been i've already done you know really been in three different industries already. I've been in, in the hospital industry, I've been in the consulting industry, and now I'm in academia. And, uh, you know, and, and, and I have to say that this is probably the, the best job I've ever had right now, just because I get to, to work across all of those things and do all the, for me, it's I get the best of all the worlds, but uh, I don't know where it'll lead me 10 years from now or five years from now. I was just about to ask you, what do you think is next? <laughs> uh, I'm just gonna <laughs> let that one ride and, and whatever comes, comes. Uh, I definitely could see, um, uh, continuing my research in these areas over the next several years, for sure. Uh, possibly taking a, uh, an academic leadership role. Uh, I think that would be something uh, that I would like to do, associate dean or, or a department chair somewhere. But, you know, th those days will come. And But right now I'm uh, just focused on family and uh, and making sure that my, my you know, research projects are, are done in, in a timely manner and they're in, in high quality research and that our students are happy and that I'm teaching to the highest level I can. Can you tell us a little bit more about the courses that you teach and what are some of the skills that you're really hoping your courses develop in these students? That's great, great question. And it is probably the thing that I spend, you know, even though we've talked a lot about the research in, in my path, it's probably the time, the thing that I do that I spend the most time on, which is teaching. And it's trying to revamp my classes. It's redesign them from a curriculum perspective. Um, for example, we just spent all last semester redesigning finance and accounting just because we want to uh, shake it up a little bit. And, and you have to do these things all the time. We did it with our leadership and management and public health core course uh, last year. And I love those activities because you're, you're making sure that you're giving students something new and you're always trying to 
keep them thinking. You always have to be a step ahead of them, just in terms of what are the materials are out there, what's the what's the uh, the different research that's just that's new and cutting edge, and you have to find a way to bring that into the course into the classes. But for me, I since I've been here at BU, I have taught a bunch of classes. I've taught strategy, uh, which is probably the or strategic management, which is the the primary course that I teach. I've taught operations management a couple of times. I've taught leadership and management in public health, professional development, uh, and organizational behavior when we had that as a course several years ago. That's really morphed into our leadership and management course. So uh, I've taught quite a few different courses uh, over the times and both in person and I've started teaching in our online executive program as well. And, and all of them require different skill sets, uh, I, I really have to say. Uh, the operations and the strategy classes that I just talked about, um, they have half of the grade is tied to a live project. So we work with some of Boston's you know, finest uh, uh, healthcare organizations and community health centers and startups to, to allow students to go into the field, to reach beyond the classroom and work with senior managers or, or individuals at these organizations where they're working on their problem, the organization's problem directly. So, so the stakes are a little bit higher and the students really, they rally every, every semester. They, they start uh, a little bit confused and uh, struggling and how do we learn about the organization and the problem and then go dig into what's out there to find out best models and, and, best, and, and other best practices. And then how do we tie it back to something that's gonna work for the organization? But I have to say 99.9% .9 of those projects turn out with fantastic um, presentations and ideas and recommendations. And, and the students really, they, you know, they, they struggle to the last minute, but that those final products really are beneficial to the organizations. And that's one thing that I think that um, I really love about being in the classroom and especially about their strategy and operations classes is that they really simulate um, the work environment. And, and that's what our program does really well, I think. I think the, the, the BU School of Public Health Healthcare Management Program, we, uh, we prepare students. So this way, when you graduate, you don't fall off a cliff and then start a new job and something's totally different. It's another step into a new role, but you're, not, but you're stepping up a little bit. You're not you know, going on to a totally different staircase. And I think that's what's really important. And that's what those live projects really do bring. So teaching is a, is a you know, fantastic uh, thing. And anybody who can uh, be in the classroom and stand up in front of the classroom and, and you know, communicate these ideas and these thoughts to, to students and, and you see the light bulbs go off and it's probably the most inspiring thing that you could do. I can personally attest to that as coming into the BU SPH program and not having any very little work experience going into the program, having the courses where I was actually working in organizations across Boston, working with clinicians, other administrators, that was so fundamental for me and helping me decide, one, what I wanted to do as the next step, and two, actually having experiences I could speak to when it came to interviews or when it came to doing projects that I could reflect back on and actually bring to whatever setting I was working in. And I would say third, there's a lot that the, the USPH program does so well in terms of giving you frameworks or how to structure um, a strategic process plan, um, thinking about like lean management. I mean, a lot of those are things that I just reflect on and use in my day-to-day -day now. And so I would say 
that was so important for someone like me who didn't have a lot of experience to begin with. Yeah, I think those are great points. And bringing, you know, and many MPH students are come right from undergrad. So they're in a similar situation where they have very few real life, real world experiences. So we have to turn those conceptual activities and kind of the, the conceptual thinking into reality. And, and that's what, you know, degrees in public health and, and specifically our healthcare management program does, you know, pro, in my opinion, better than anybody else in the country. Uh, because we are, you know, number one, we're working with the best organizations in, in healthcare uh, across the country here in Boston. And at the same time, we're, we're giving you the opportunity to make mistakes, but we're doing it in a, in a safe environment where we can teach you about how to do it better next time. Um, and we have great, you know, uh, you know, courses that really facilitate that learning. And we smile and laugh along the way too. I'm sure that you have seen your share of challenges that organizations across this area are facing. Can you talk a little bit about some of the most common challenges that you see and maybe any advice that your students or yourself have been able to share in overcoming those challenges? Yeah, sure. So I, I when I think about specific, let's let's talk about the Boston market or any any highly competitive market. Um, they're dense. They've got especially these urban areas, they have a lot of people, they have a lot of organizations. So it's hard to differentiate your services because everybody's going after the same types of, of services and the same types of things that they're doing. And I think people can get caught up in doing what the other organization is doing well. Um, it, it doesn't always mean that you have to. Like, so in strategy, we teach about um, red oceans and blue oceans. And blue ocean strategy is one of my favorite readings that, uh, that we have in that class. And it teaches you know, certain organizations and certain leaders to, to think differently. Okay, you don't have to always fight in the red ocean where everybody is going after the same market or the same market share or the same patients in, in health in, in terms of healthcare. You know, if you think about it in terms, you can think about it in terms of anything. It could be Nike, it could be, uh, you know, or you know, in any retail um, industry. But you have to find what you're good at, differentiate your services, and be able to uh, move carefully into that space, but swiftly. Because if you don't, somebody else is going to come along very quickly and do it better than you at a lower cost. So I think that that's one thing that I see is that these extremely dense markets tend to, to organizations and, and leaders tend to fall into the trap that, well, we have to go after the same business that everybody else is. And that's not necessarily always the truth. Um, the other thing, too, is that, you know, now we have so many apps coming up or so many, you know, online platforms and technologies it's hard to avoid going after the trendy thing. Uh, and you often see a lot of people and leaders just going after what's trendy right now. And it takes really a high amount of discipline and, and strategic vision to say, this is not who we are. This is not what we want to do. And we're going to go a different path. So I think the other, the, the second thing is being cautious about the trendiness of, of certain things. Uh, and, you know, and definitely with telehealth now coming out and, and a lot of organizations investing a lot of money in that, I think you're going to see a lot more trendiness around that for sure, uh, depending on what MedPAC says in, in the next couple of years about the, the, the efficacy of uh, or, or the effectiveness of, of these uh, telehealth platforms. Um, and then the last thing is predicting policy changes. I think, you know, when you're at a director or a manager or you know even a senior director level, I don't know that we pay enough attention to what or, or give enough thought to what's going to happen at, po at the policy level because it may not trickle down to you right away. 
but the upper levels of management are really uh, really need to be in tune with what's going on at the policy level and how those changes can really impact what it is that your organization is able to do. Because a, a one or 2% change in Medicaid, you know, uh, can really hinder certain types of organizations. And I think those are really uh, important things. You know, it sounds like healthcare is a continuously evolving field where you're having to keep up and having to learn. And like you said, be aware of some of these policy changes. Um, our other just tips that as leaders we need to keep in mind. So I'm curious to hear from you. Is there anything that today's students are learning that maybe students in the past weren't? And I guess I'm speaking for those of us who have already kind of gone through programs. Are there any tips you'd give us so we make sure we stay up to date with some of the latest that you're teaching in your courses today? Embrace technology. You have to, that, that, that's the number one thing that I think, or even over the last five years since I started here, um, you know, we used to say, don't open your laptop in class. You need to write with a, with a pencil and you need to memorize that. I don't subscribe to that anymore at all. I think everything is taking such a, it's moving so fast these days. It's creating a, an environment where you have to think quicker, you have to adapt quicker and you have to find ways to help facilitate that within your own mind. Um, and I think that's, that's about learning. So, so that's what we're doing in, in an academic setting. We're, we're, we're helping students understand how to learn. We put the context around the learning. So in our program, it's about healthcare leadership, but it could be about epidemiology and biostats, could be about uh, community assessment, could be about health policy and law, could be about any of those areas, right? but we're teaching you how to ask questions and how to learn and how to acquire knowledge. So this way you can then say, well, what do I do with all that? And that's the part that you guys get to, to figure out. I mean, and, and that's the fun part, right? Um, so for me, it's embracing technology in a way that's gonna facilitate that knowledge acquisition and that learning. And what we're doing is we're really trying to put in mechanisms into the program that allow you to you know, use those things. Um, we're using different types of, you know, voice, voice recognition software in our, in our classrooms to uh, record things and then be able to allow students to get playback quicker. Uh, you know, some schools, not us yet, I tried to do this a couple times, but, you know, COVID kind of uh, axed my plans, but uh, virtual reality in the classroom. So it's, it's simula simulation. Um, there, and I actually, I think uh, Mass College of Pharmacy, I, I, I think I got the name wrong, but they're doing this in their clinical settings with their nurses and with other, with pharmacists and others. So I think that there's uh, a lot to be learned from embracing technology, but then taking it back and saying, what did I learn from this? And let's implement it now. And, and I think that's the difference that we're, we're really finding these days that's setting uh, the educational experience apart. Uh, from some other schools and also from, you know, from, from the students of the past. Definitely. So embrace technology. And I, something yeah. else that you said in your uh, response that I thought was really important is being, you know, teaching students how to ask good questions. And I think that's mm -hmm. something even those of us who are in roles now, it's, it's not a matter of knowing everything. It's a matter of understanding and knowing the right questions to ask to get to that solution or get to maybe that next step that you need to do to kind of get to a, a better plan. Yeah, just, um, just keep in mind that that when asking questions is what all good leaders do. It's not, and sometimes it's not even answering them. It's, it's knowing what the right question is to ask and allowing people to help you answer it. 
and I think that's really an important part of you know the teamwork and the ability and and that that really good leaders have is that they acknowledge that they don't know it all and that they need you and others to to help them kind of come to the right answer because you know you know that that term the right answer is just thrown around so much there is no right answer you you use information to guide you and and then and now we have so much more ways of gaining information quicker and faster uh, sometimes it's even overwhelming but asking those questions and finding the right ones to ask and then moving forward is really is really what it's about it's awesome to hear that one of the courses that you're teaching is focused on healthcare leadership and this is the healthcare leadership mindset podcast so i have to ask this question how would you define a successful healthcare leader and can you talk a little bit about the qualities the traits that they have um, and i'm sure you've seen this either in like your classroom or with the individuals that you still work with so you're definitely someone i wanted to ask this question to yeah, no, it's a great question, and, and it's a it's a difficult one. When I when I think of a successful leader, I, I actually I don't think of any one person, or I don't think of any one approach, because I think leadership comes in all shapes and sizes. Um, you know, people can be quiet and be really good leaders because they're great listeners. People can be you know energetic and get people to follow them because well they just they're so vibrant and people want to just go to work every day and get excited to work with this person. Uh, or people. And so to me, it's someone who's passionate, passionate about what they do, passionate in, in, in at the foundation of what we're doing in healthcare delivery is all about patients. It's all about improving experience for patients. And, and all the other stuff really is secondary, in my opinion. So somebody has to be passionate about patients. Um, I think the other thing is that they have to be okay with, and to some extent, effective in confronting the idea of change because what happened today is not gonna to be there tomorrow. So you really have to be uh, interested and open to you know, change. And, and that, you know, we think about it, we, we do it in our personal lives all the time. Why shouldn't we do it more in organizations? Well, we get comfortable. It's the people that come in and make people uncomfortable that I think um, doing in the right way can actually be you know, something that is the lifeline of an organization. Uh, but that goes back to our other discussion before about knowing your uh, champions, knowing your leaders and knowing how to implement change, but you have to be okay with it. And I think that's what successful leaders are, they, that, a quality that they have. Um, and then I think the last thing is just that they have to get the most out of their teams. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're driving a ship or a boat or a plane or whatever the, you know, the, the metaphor is these days. And you've got, you know, you've got all these people around you working with you. And, you know, and, and I, I use that, you know, that term working with you on purpose because they're not working for you. Um, you have to work together. And that's the whole idea about getting the most out of your teams. Allow people to do their work, have humility, have the ability to, to be inclusive. And at the end of the day, you, you may have to make the decision, but at least you'll know that you've gotten everybody's opinions, you've heard them and they'll, they'll respect you for that too, even if you don't side with them. Those are great tips. And I think what's really um, something that I've reflected on is you don't necessarily need to be in a managerial position to begin developing a, those leadership traits. And I think sometimes people get management and leadership confused. I mean, leadership, a lot of what you mentioned, um, those are things that you can begin developing 
just wherever you are, you know, depend whether that's in, in a school setting, whether that's in your work setting, within your family setting. I mean, there's different ways that you can definitely exercise and build upon some of those traits that you mentioned. And I really like that you said leadership can be seen in so many different ways, because I think a lot of us tend to have this one idea of what a leader looks like. Um, and that's definitely not the case. Yeah, so. no, that, 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 that's true. And, and, and I don't think I always felt that way. I think I always thought I had to be a certain way to be a leader. I thought I had to be the loudest person in the room. I thought I had to be the, uh, the person that everybody was looking at. It, it doesn't have to be that way. And actually, oftentimes it, it works better if it's not that way. Um, and, but every organization is different. Every culture is different. And you have to find the right culture that fits with you as a person too, um, because you can evolve as a leader. You can, and, and sometimes you evolve into a, into a, a skin or into a, a way that you feel comfortable leading that's not right for the organization. And it's okay to leave. It's okay to find a new organization that fits you better. Yeah, I definitely have talked about this on another episode, but I did, um, I think I shared that one of the best advice that I got when I was going through an interview process was actually advice that I got from you about being yourself. And I, you know, I agree with what you said. I think that there have definitely been times where I look to others and this gets into the comparison, um, comparison factor, but you look at others and you see their strengths and you want to have those too, even though that's not necessarily a key strength of yours. And I think part of the journey, at least that I've had within healthcare, is really um, acknowledging the strengths that I bring and recognizing that they may look different than someone else's. And that's totally okay. Because to a point that you said earlier, a lot of healthcare is being able to work collabor collaboratively with others. And I think that's really where you see the benefits of having those different strengths and skill sets work together. Absolutely. I totally agree. Yes. So I know we're approaching kind of the end of our conversation today, but I do have a couple of closing questions that I want to run by you. So these are pretty, you know, quick, um, quick questions, uh, but I'm really curious to get your thoughts on them. So if there is one thing you could change about healthcare today, what would it be? It's a loaded question. No, I think it is. I, I think it's, I think it's just our focus on the patient. I, I think we, we talk a lot about it. I think we've, we've, we've done a lot of good things and I think we need to go further. Uh, I really do think that we need to continue to keep putting the patient first um, and, and that will be, that will solve all the other issues in my opinion that we have in healthcare. Um, patients gotta come first. I can totally agree. What is either a book or podcast recommendation that you can share with us? Sure. So I have one of both. Uh, I think uh, my students have turned me on to the daily, um, uh, which is, uh, I don't listen to it all the time, but when I do this, it's always something uh, unique. Um, so it's not healthcare related per se, but oftentimes they do have some, some topics on uh, that, that cover it. And um, I go back to, I always go back to probably one of my favorite books that I, uh, and all a former CEO and, and, and Boston mentor uh, asked me to read when I started in strategy and it's called Execution by Larry Bossidy. Uh, and it really talks about how, you know, the, you need strategy implementation. You, you, you just can't have people working in silos, whether they're, you know, creating the plans or 
developing them, et cetera. So the book is a little bit dated now, but at the end of the day, it gives you the foundation as to why you need to marry all different types and types of your organization together to actually get results. And, and I think that's what, um, that's the reason that I always recommend that book, especially in my strategy class uh, to, to students who are, who are who wanna understand why it's important, why strategy relates to operations or implementation or anything like that. I will add that book to my reading list. Thank you for sharing that. And one of the things that you mentioned earlier was embracing technology. And, you know, there's a lot of things that are online now. So I'm sure that our listeners are going to want to connect with you in some way. And what are some ways that they can do that? Yeah, so my, uh, so I'm very easy to get in touch with, uh, you know, my, uh, my profile on, on the BU website, you can go to BUSPH and uh, just Google BUSPH Christopher Lewis and uh, my, my face will pop up somewhere uh, with my phone. And actually, you know, I, I'm happy to say that, uh, and, and I'll take the same approach here. My, my work phone rolls right to my cell phone. So anybody that wants to get in touch with me any time or day can. Uh, I'm not hiding. Um, you know, I'm happy to, to, to have a conversation with somebody, whether it's a student about classes or a faculty member who wants to talk about research or uh, an alumni or, or anybody who, who's interested in the same things. And uh, so that, that phone number and that email are, are public knowledge. <laughs> well, I will say, um, you know, as someone who has definitely gone to you before on a lot of other things, that is so awesome to be able to have someone who is in the position you are, who's always so willing to help out. And I will say that's what made the key difference for me in pursuing BUSPH for my master's is um, when I left Accepted Students Day, I had someone follow up with me via email. It was a faculty member and just asked about my visit, asked if I had, you know, if I had any outstanding questions. And that just went such a long way for me. And I will say when I went into the program, that's exactly the experience I got. And I always tell students who are thinking about going to BU that it's that personal touch. And it's also just knowing that I was going to go into a community that would support me and give me the experiences I needed, no matter where I ended up. Um, so that's just my little plug for BUSBH. No, I think that's great. And I think that's something that we do do very well. We, we are very in tune with uh, making sure that if you have questions or that uh, if you have an interest that we help you pursue that interest. Uh, a lot of being a good grad student, which you were, and uh, you have launched a wonderful career afterward, and we're very proud of you, um, the, it is about being interested in a lot of different things and finding out what suits you best. And it, it's our job to not tell you what to do because this is your degree. This is your opportunity to, to exercise those things. It's our, it's our job to give you information. And, and I tell that to every student that's uh, coming to me that's contemplating a decision as to what program to go into or, you know, they, they want to learn about the program. I say, I'm, you know, right up front, I'm, I'm not here to market to you. I'm here to give you information and let you make a decision. I had my decision. I, I, I went to three colleges and I loved every one of them. Uh, I don't want to go in anymore. So this is about them. Yeah, no, I, I love that. Um, and my last question for you is, what is the best advice that you've received so far? Yeah, so th this is an easy one for me. And, and this advice was given to me by Christine Wynn, who is now Administrative Director of the MD Cancer Center at Cooper University Hospital, which ironically, she was my, during my MHA, she was one of my preceptors at uh, Bridgeport Hospital. She's now moved on, obviously. 
Um, but she and I were reunited uh, not too long ago doing a CAMI accreditation visit. Uh, so in just a random spot uh, somewhere, I think we went to Texas A&M. Uh, but I, I even said this to her. I said, you've given me the best advice that I was ever given. And it's blossom where you're planted. Mm-hmm. Because no matter what experience you have or that you're going through, as hard as it is, there's something to learn from it. Um, you may learn what you do like. You may learn what you don't like. Uh, and actually, that's why I think practicums for, for graduate students are great ideas or, or internships, because they may learn what they want to do for the rest of their life. But most of them learn something about what they don't want to do or what they're not good at or what they you know, really might be better at if they just tried a little harder. So blossom where you're planted. That'll give you the opportunity to learn whatever it is, glean from whatever that experience is. And then you can make the decision on your own whether you want to stay or go. And, and, and that's why I, I always love that. Uh, I always come back to that. That's great advice and definitely something for all of us to reflect on no matter where we are, because I am speaking for myself, but I do know that, that, that there are moments where it does get tough. And I think we have the ability to control how we see a situation. So blossom where you are planted is definitely yep. something we'll keep in mind. Um, well, Chris, it was so awesome. I love having these conversations and especially with you, I think it's always just so good to, um, one, catch up with you, but two, just, I learned so much from BUSPH. I learned so much from you in the program that I still use in my day to day. And it just means so much to have you on the show and have you share some of those insights and lessons that you've taught your students, you're continuing to teach your students and learn more about the great work that you're doing in the field of healthcare administration. So thank you so much for your time today. Oh, it was really my pleasure. And, and congratulations to you on launching this podcast and, uh, and getting everybody uh, engaged in these conversations, because I know that there's a huge following out there and a lot of people want to learn and you're, you're opening the door to the conversation. And that's the first, first piece. So, uh, so best of luck with it. It's been a pleasure to be on here and to share some of uh, my experience and, uh, and, and, and just keep giving back. Thank you so much for being here and for listening to this episode. If this is your first time here, welcome. Please click on the subscribe button wherever you're listening. And if you enjoyed the episode, please be sure to leave a rating or review of the part you enjoyed the most. I look forward to meeting you all back here soon.